This is the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Gas it up. What up, my peeps? Welcome back to the Shannon Smith Shooting Show Podcast. Uh, this is going to be a little free balling. <clears throat> I've usually got some notes set up of what I'm going to talk about, but I'm just pulling out of the range, leaving the Three Gun Nation Southeast Regional uh, Championship at our place. And uh, I had some thoughts in my head, so I thought I'd throw up a podcast right quick and see how it goes. If it goes sucky, then you'll never hear this, so it doesn't matter. Uh, a couple things to talk about. I'm a little bit out of order. I've got the Florida Florida Open to talk about, and I think the Florida State. I don't remember if I re- recapped that match or not. I'll have to review my last podcast and see where we're at. But I, where we're at. But I shot PCC at both of those matches, uh, which went okay, uh, not great, but okay. I learned a lot, and which is the cool thing about this game. Uh, one of the big draws for me is. You're always learning. There's always something to get better at. There's always something to improve on. There's always things you're picking up, especially when you're jumping in new divisions and and new games. Uh, As with many things that I do, I would uh, recommend that you do what I say and not what I do. Uh, But I shoot a lot of different stuff. Uh, The competition is the draw for me. I want to compete. And, you know, I don't care what we're competing at. I just want to go up against the best in whatever it is. And that probably hurts my cause a little bit because I jump around from sports and divisions. And, you know, there's always there's always a central focus throughout the year. But I still I still hit the competitions. I mean, I've never shot production seriously in my life. But I always hit the production nationals when I can because uh, you're going up against the best in the world in, in a stock gun, more or less-ish, uh, which is cool. Uh, I shoot a lot of guns. As uh, you know, I shoot open a lot for the last couple of years, and been dabbling in PCC now. I shoot a, a ton of Glocks in my in my classes, military classes, and whatever. So I'm always bouncing around with uh, with different stuff anyway. But that definitely hurts your progression. My kind of saving grace on uh, jumping around is that at, at some point in my career, I've shot that gun for seriously for a significant amount of time and I've talked about this before but I shot single stack for you know, a long time I shot limited for a long time shot open for a long time then back to limited then back to open and now I'm now I'm kind of playing the PCC and, and three gun uh, so that makes it easier to bounce around um, but I stayed in one thing for a significant amount of time you know, like like years uh, you know mastered it and then jump onto something else that makes it a lot easier to switch around back and forth uh, down the road uh, and there's nothing wrong nothing wrong with bouncing around I mean chances are uh, most folks listening to this aren't going to be a professional shooter in your career and probably probably wouldn't recommend that you did uh, so if you like jumping around and having fun with the sport by all means just knock yourself out and do it but if you're you know more concerned about progression and getting better I think you're better off to stay with one thing one thing for a while one division for a while I was going to hit on one question because it kind of ties into a couple of things I've been thinking about. 
Uh, I'm a big, big, big fan of the Olympics. I think they're finishing up uh, either tonight or maybe last night. Hopefully I can catch some tonight if they're still going on. Um, you know, our sport, I'm, I'm not an Olympic athlete, obviously. Our sport's not in the Olympics, but I really feel like I relate to these athletes a lot. And in, in most cases, they're obscure sports that you've never heard of uh, or, or don't know anything about curling and cross-country skiing and biathlon and you know which that relates to our shooting game a lot obviously you know most of the public doesn't know anything about you know who we are or what we do or, or how the sport works or what's going on so we get some relation that way but then just the work they put in you know I, I get asked a lot is what does it take to get good at this sport that, that, that we're participating in and the answer is time. I mean, it takes an insane amount of time to get good. And everybody's story is the same. If you talk to any pro shooter, pro shooter at some point in their career, you know, they put an insane amount of time down in dry fire and in live fire. A lot of time. And not everybody has that. Not everybody's, not everybody's willing to do that. But I appreciate, you know, what these athletes have done to get to that point. They've worked 4, 8, 12, 15 years, in many cases their whole life, for this one moment in time. And they've got, you know, depending on the sport, they've got 30 seconds, they've got a minute, they've got half hour, whatever it might be. And that's that's everything they've done to their life in this point comes down to that. And man, you can't, you cannot imagine that amount of pressure, you know, unless you've been there. And again, I've not been in the Olympics, but the world shoots our Olympics, and it just really reminds me of my my poor performance at the world shoot and all the time that I put in and preparation and, and not doing as I expected. And that's a tough pill to swallow. You know, I've been to the world shoot before and done done as I expected and done well, been on the podium. And I've been to the world shoot and, and not done well, not not done as I expected and, and not been on the podium. So I really enjoy watching the watching these guys and gals compete. I don't know if you can find it on YouTube or or uh, the Olympics channel or whatever, but the female team cross-country skiing event or cross-country skiing sprint, they might call it, was freaking awesome. And that it may partially be, be because the announcer was so enthusiastic, uh, but it was a great race. And the U.S. ended up winning. I think we had never won a medal in cross-country, if I remember correctly, ever. And ended up, ended up winning the gold, and it was just a super tight race. It was probably the most exciting race of any sort I've ever seen in my life. Uh, back and forth, back and forth, and you know we ended up winning by a, a boot length at the end. And you know the girls are crying, and I'm just thinking, man, the time they put in in the gym, in the weight room, and uh, on the on the course to get there is uh, it's awesome to see that pay off. And the other sports have been cool, too. I and mean, Sean White won the gold. That was an awesome run. Put it down when he needed to after making a mistake and coming back. And So it's just been uh, it's been cool to watch the Olympics. Uh, the, the reason I bring that up is the question I had was about the biathlon. The biathlon in the Olympics is cross-country skiing and rifle shooting. Uh, the guy that asked the question had read something about uh, your heart rate and beats per minute and it's probably a mistake by the announcer, but he was talking about firing 
trying to fire the round between heartbeats. And I've done zero research on this in preparation for this podcast. Uh, I'm just going to relate it to how it worked, how it relates to shooting. Um, I, I would highly doubt they're firing between between heartbeats, but you know they are coming into this position with an elevated heart rate and having to take insanely accurate shots with an iron-sided rifle. I think the uh, the bullseye I'm prone is like two inches, and the bullseye from standing is six, I think, maybe eight, but I think six. So it's a super tight shot, and they miss a lot. I mean, if you watch any of it, there's a lot of misses, a lot more than you expect. Well, a lot more than the average person would expect from an Olympic athlete. If you're a competitive shooter, you know we miss a lot, so it's not, not that hard to expect from me especially coming off of what they've just been doing. But I certainly suppose it's possible. I mean, a long-range rifle shooting technique, if you've ever shot uh, much precision stuff, is you, you do fire at the exhale. So there's a natural, natural respiratory pause as you're exhaling, and that does seem to be a calmer spot. You don't have a lung full of oxygen. Your heart's not beating as fast. And, you know, that's when we try to fire our precision stuff uh, you know if you've ever been behind the glass on a on a good scope or on long range type shooting you can definitely see your heartbeat I mean you can see that in the scope so maybe they are but the really reason I wanted to bring that up is how it relates to shooting in like a pistol style setup like a bay style stage or action style stage uh, is that I try not to think about it the, the biggest thing is breathe you, know, you want to breathe uh, as naturally as you can as if you're doing any uh, any other athletic event I see a lot of shooters in classes on a simple drill and I see it in stages as well where they're clearly holding their breath they you know they finish the drill and they give a big exhale or I can see them inhale and hold their breath on the draw and you know I'll tell them like look man you can't hold your breath for a 30 round course of fire with three or four positions so you need to be accustomed to breathing naturally, as naturally as you would doing something athletic, um, as you can, because you need to keep oxygen flowing, obviously, for for moving around positions. And you know, three gun just coming off this three gun match, it's even more the case. I mean, these are much much bigger stages. Even though we have a bay style range, the stages are still encompassing two and in some cases three bays. So you're doing, you know, if, if you're only a pistol guy or gal, uh, you're doing like a full pistol stage and then turning, sprinting 50 yards over to the next bay, grabbing another gun, running another, basically, pistol stage, fast and furious, dumping that, running 40, 50 yards to the another bay and doing it again. So clearly, you can't hold your breath for, for that long. So I would recommend, you know, trying to get accustomed to and forcing yourself to breathe as you normally would, again, if you're doing something athletic. You know, obviously, if you're going to sprint 50 yards, you're going to breathe throughout that process. If you're going to run a mile, you're going to breathe throughout that process. And even if you're going to sprint 10 yards, you're going to breathe throughout that process. Uh, so just concentrate on, on, on not concentrating on it. You know, just breathe as you normally would as if you're doing anything else. If you're talking about more precision stuff, long-range three-gun, precision rifle, or whatever, that's a, that's a different topic. That's some different techniques involved. 
One thing I have noticed, however, and I have not put my finger on this yet, because I've been shooting PCC a little bit this year, which is pistol caliber carbine, if you're not familiar, and basically a, a rifle that shoots nine millimeter bullets, AR style rifle, uh, as I have been holding my breath throughout the stage, and I have no idea why. I don't do that in three gun, I don't do that in pistol, but for some reason, in PCC, I've caught myself doing that. I'm now finished the stage and be way out of breath, uh, largely because I wasn't breathing, and that often makes you out of breath. Uh, so that's something I'm going to work on, just trying to figure out. I, I, I have no rational reason why I would do that. Again, because I don't do it, I don't do it in three gun, don't do it in, in regular pistol shooting. Uh, so it's something I'm going to play around with and figure out the cause and figure out a way to fix it. On to our match recap. So again, just coming off the Three Gun Nation Southeast Regional at our place this weekend. Uh, I shot pretty well. I've, as I've been saying, I'm going to get more into Three Gun this year. I'm looking at some other matches to pick up. Kind of inch my way into the sport. And, and Three Gun is uh, obviously different than pistol shooting. But even within the Three Gun world, there's a lot of different style of Three Gun matches. Three Gun Nation is more base style stages, I would call them. Uh, although they do a lot of stuff in natural terrain, but it's it's much more fast and furious, uh, quick stages, fast shooting, closer targets than some of the other uh, outlaw style matches, which I've not I've not participated in those yet. I'm gonna try to hit some this year, uh, but there and the outlaw outlaw style stuff. You know, you might see stage times running in the you know, two to three minute range. A really high round count. You may be traversing 100 yards or more throughout the stage. And that really changes the dynamics in, uh, in how you're going to attack the course, how you're going to manage the scoring, which is another thing that's different. You know, all these, all these big matches are scoring... Uh, in some cases with their own proprietary scoring system, some cases it's straight time, some cases it's points, and uh, there's the UMLs coming on now with their own rule set. You got Three Gun Nation, you got USPSA, and so how the game is scored, and we've talked about this before, but you know how the game is scored changes how you're going to engage any given target at any given distance. And Three Gun Nation is, is really fast and furious, and it's set up that way on purpose. It, you know, it looks good on TV, looks good on camera. It's it's you know fun and, and super fast. And I've shot, you know, they've been here for three years now. I've went to South Carolina a couple years ago, shot one there. Probably going to pick one the next one up here in Georgia. Uh, I enjoy their setup. I enjoy the the style of stages that they have. Uh, but holy cow, it's fast, man! If you know, coming from a uh, aiming style game like like USPSA or, or IDPA maybe yeah, you really gotta you really gotta loosen up and let her rip as you can't uh, you don't have time to be aiming too much at these targets uh, so I shot well I, I've been putting a little time in the shotgun this year not enough but putting some some time in it which is more than I've ever done before uh, so my loading's getting better it's still atrocious but getting better my shotgun shooting is getting a little bit better because not only was I bad at loading the shotgun, I was bad at shooting the shotgun. Uh, so my mount is getting better. I may be looking at uh, putting some spacers in the in the buttstock. You can you can adjust the the, the the way it mounts a little bit. 
and I've been mounting the gun way too low on the target, getting too aggressive with my face up there towards the receiver. Uh, so I'm probably going to try to adjust that, but I figured it out. I figured out just the proper way to mount the gun. I was always shooting high and couldn't figure it out. And, and I, I finally dawned on me, like, dumbass, you're, you're not mounting the gun right, and you're just you're looking over the sight. So I got that figured out and shot pretty well. Uh, ended up finishing second overall to uh, Dan Horner, who's pretty much the undisputed best in the world three-gunner. So no, uh, no shame in coming second to him. But uh, more importantly, I, I felt like I shot well. I'm, I'm figuring out the game better. The, uh, the way Three Gun Nation runs their, their stages and their rules, there's a lot of optional targets, which is, I think, really cool. And that's the way we've, uh, I've, I've started running my, my, my local Three Gun matches. Even though they're USPSA rules, you're still allowed to, to uh, run that style of, of engagement. So generally speaking, if it's a steel target, you could shoot it with a pistol or you could shoot it with a birdshot. If it's a paper target, you could shoot with a rifle or with a pistol or even with a shotgun slug if you wanted. And then clay targets are, uh, are birdshot only. But in some of the stages, they specify some of the setups you have to shoot, you know, this bay or the, these targets with a certain gun. But for a large extent, you got some options. So it's really cool because you can play to your strengths. So as a guy who does not like shotgun, you know, if there's a way to avoid loading the shotgun on that stage, then I'm going to go that way. And it worked out pretty well. I won a couple of stages. I was, you know, right there in the top on the others. And then predictably, the, the stages that you did have to load the shotgun uh, are the ones that I did poorly on in, in comparison to the competition. So not that I needed a reminder, but, you know, I know where I need to put the work in. And... Uh, I just got to get better at uh, loading the shotgun and even the gear. So I've, I have been working on the shotgun loading. And so I learned something today or this match learned a lot of things, but one of them was I've been loading off my most convenient caddy. So I have two Invictus uh, eight shell caddies and that's 100% of my practice have been off of those caddies. Well, they had a, a stage here that was really heavy shotgun. I think we had to load uh, 30 rounds or something or more, uh, not counting what was in the gun. So that's pretty heavy from where I come from. Uh, so I had to add the Invictus 12-rounder to my belt. So I had the 12, 2.8s plus I had an old-school uh, weekend shell caddy just for oh-shit moments. But the first run on the stage, I just I tanked loading off that 12 caddy just because I'm not used to grabbing off of that caddy. I mean, I've done it maybe once or twice in my life, and that's, you know, that's not sufficient for being prepped for a major match. And it's just something that didn't dawn on me that, hey, you should practice loading off of every type of carrier you have. And uh, I did really bad on it. I knocked a shell out of the caddy. I dropped one, and, you know, it just went, went downhill from there. Uh, so that's something I'll make. I made a note on to, to work on my practice, and then knowing knowing my chokes better, I definitely got to work on that uh, and getting more chokes. I don't have an IC, which is stupid. So that will change tomorrow. Uh, but this that same stage, what really started it going bad. There were some poppers. I normally run a cylinder. There was some steel that I was kind of worried about the cylinder taking it over. It was they weren't far, but I just hadn't really shot a a hinged popper like that. And, you know, I look at the different types of targets. Some of them are two-piece steel. Some of them are hinged. Some of them are on a spring. 
Some of them are, are counterweighted for it a little bit. And you just got to pay, some of them are three-eighths, you know, some of them are quarter in width. So you're just looking at all these things on what's what it's going to, what it's going to take to knock that knock that target over and I was just a little nervous that the uh the cylinder was going to do it so I you know a couple guys Dan Horner is awesome awesome dude he offered me his his IC choke and as as did another guy but there are also some 70 yard slug targets on that stage Uh, so I was a little nervous about trying somebody else's choke uh for a 70 yard shot where I know where mine hit so I ended up choking up to a light modified, thinking, well, you're not going to win the match on this stage. The, the biggest goal here is to not goat rope this stage. Just get through it. So let's run. Let's choke up. We'll just aim a little bit more at the targets. And we know the slug hits are good. And, and let's get it on. And man, did that go bad. So I, I thought I was playing it safe. But... The first steel target I missed at freaking eight yards or something. Took an extra there, turned the, the next clay I missed, took an extra there, and it just it went downhill from there. So that loads that throws off your load plan. Now I'm trying to get the load plan load plan black back on schedule. And I didn't have a lot of extra rounds anyway because of so many. So now I'm going into my super secret stash on the belt. Uh, it just went bad. So you know, once I got the, the slug hits were fine. Once I got the rifle, that was fine. But I was 20 seconds off the pace on this stage, and this is a time straight time match. So you're not going to make up 20 seconds, and you know I w- probably wasn't going to beat Horner anyway. But uh, sure as hell ain't going to beat him if I give up 20 seconds on a stage like that. And that was day one. Yesterday, so I was a little devastating coming back, a little mad at myself last night because the whole goal on that stage was just be cool, get through it, don't blow the match, and you know, get onto something where you're more confident at. And I did all the opposite. So I get there this morning and because of a scoring snafu or not scoring, but a procedural snafu, uh, they told me I had to reshoot that stage along with a couple other guys. Uh, so, you know, I, I felt bad about it, honestly, whether you believe that or not, I honestly did. Cause that's not, you know, that's not right for a competitor. I would hate for that to happen to my competitor. You know, somebody that's competing against me when I'm winning, and all of a sudden they they get a redo at their foobar. Uh, but I did, and it wasn't my course. Or, you know, it wasn't my choice. I'm not running the match. I'm just a shooter dude for this one. So there I was. And um, so the second go round, I, I you know choked down back to where I was, where I should have been to begin with, and the stage went fine. I got one extra one pickup on the on the shotgun. I had to load an extra round. So definitely not perfect, but 20 seconds better than my first run. And fortunately, in the final results, it, it didn't matter. I mean, I finished second overall, but you know, the guy behind me, that 20 seconds wouldn't have made a difference. So that, that did actually make me feel better that uh, it just comes out. I didn't get beat as bad as I really did, but I didn't beat anybody that I otherwise wouldn't have. Uh, that was a couple, a couple key learning points uh, from the match. And the rest of it was pretty solid. Um, you know, like I said, getting better at shooting the shotgun, so I didn't uh, didn't have a lot of misses there. Pistol rifle went, went pretty good, but it's just a lot to a lot to think about when you're coming from a pistol world. You know, I definitely don't feel as confident in the stage plans as I do shooting pistol because there's way more going on. 
And that's just something you got to be comfortable operating on. You know, you used to have to have time and experience working under those conditions where you're getting ready to roll and like, hey, I don't have this, I don't have this shit locked in uh, as good as I, I do with a pistol match. But that's just the way three gun is. You know, you just don't have the level of detail in processing in your stage plan as you do in pistol. And again, like anything else in the world, you have to be comfortable working under those conditions and. There's no practice to get comfortable working under those conditions. You got to get out there and do it, uh, which is the plan for the year. So that's going to wrap us up for the day. Uh, remember, hit me on Facebook, email, website with your shooting questions. I've got a couple more in the queue I'm going to hit on coming up. As mentioned, I'm going to do the Florida Open recap and uh, the state match. If I didn't do it, can't remember. I'm going to review. Uh, but some lessons learned there as well, again, with a new division with PCC. So I'm excited about that and and always learning. In the meantime, hope you guys are having a good year. See you on the range. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass, there's a real blade of grass.